I'm Kathy. I'm Anatole. And I'm Justin. And, and this, this is, is Comicsverse. Thank you for listening to another Comics First podcast. This is part one of our series of memoir in the city, New York stories by those who live them. Although I'm realizing now that not all of our choices are memoirs, but that's that's all right. That's okay. Um, so part one of the series, we're going to be talking about My New York Diary, uh, written by Julie Dossett, followed by Shortcomings, written by Adrian Tomine. And finally, um, our third book is um, American Widow by Alyssa Torres. And see, I, I made sure to do it with everyone. Thank you. And thank you. You know, and I'm Puerto Rican, so it was it was helpful. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, just to remind you, you can find us on the web at comicsverse.com, on Facebook at facebook.com/comicsverse, on YouTube at youtube.com/comicsverse-tv, and on Twitter at twitter.com/comicsverse. Um, unfortunately, Anatole isn't going to be here for this series, but Kathy and I are here to help bring it home to you. And try to carry on without Anatole as best we can. Exactly. We'll get him back as soon as we can. Exactly. But Kathy will still have her awesome sign-offs at the end. Oh, (laughs) yeah, I sure will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just to quickly go around and say hi to everyone. Keanu, you're new. Hi, I'm Keanu. Welcome. Thank you. What are your favorite comics, Keanu? Uh, I really (laughs) like The Walking Dead. Oh, um, the Walking Dead is so good. And I am a loyal show fan. Not not that it's that good, but I have loyalty issues. Uh, and um, that's okay. I watched all four seasons of The Tudors and hated every episode. <sighs> yeah. With The Walking Dead, it's like it, it's good for like a bit, and then it gets really bad, and then there's a hook. So I have to watch the next one. Um, they do hook you. It's a vicious cycle. Josh, welcome. Hello, I'm back. You're back. Enough said. Steve. Hello again. Um, how are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, back. Happy to be back. It's been a while. <laughs> Steve in law school now. Yes. And um, yeah. All right. So let's. Shall we um, yeah, begin? So we're going to be talking about um, my New York Diary again, written by Julie Dossett. And we just all recently attended the Brooklyn, um, our Comic Arts Brooklyn, where she was. Relatively recently was that August or when was that? That was, uh, that was uh-huh. in October. Oh, okay. October. It was in October. It was relatively. I, I have recently. no sense of time. But but, but but Julie Dossett was there. Right. She was there. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, you know, we didn't meet her, but it was, it was uh, among, we were in her vicinity. I mean, amongst other comic, uh, indie comic writers. Exactly. Yeah. There. So that's a great event, too, by the way. And I think she conducted a panel the day before. The she day did, after. Believe, yeah. yes. So um, without further ado, shall we begin with um, discussing it? So, um, oh, actually, how about Steve um, and everyone? Why don't we uh, give a little summary about what My New York Diary yeah, is about? I'll, I'll take up my traditional mantle. Um, exactly. So, uh, as chief summarizer of Comics First, uh, uh, My New York Diary is a fantastic book by Julie Dossett, uh, which basically is a sort of um, it, it. It flows kind of stream of consciously of of just you know her actual diaries and and life in New York, very personal and very visceral of her experiences, where she details out just over the course of a few months. Um, what it was like for her to move into New York, uh, living with this guy and her experience as she, you know, continued her job in the indie comics market and adjusted to life in Washington Heights. Um, For those of you who don't know, that is very, very, very far uptown. Um, So... Uh, but not that far uptown from here, where right? We where we are, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that's important to note. Not not very far away from where we, as Comics Verse, are officially based. Exactly. And, uh, so we have a claim to fame with Julie Dawson. Right, we do. I guess yeah. so. The, the one thing I do want to mention, though, it, it took it took place in the eighties, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, late eighties, late eighties, and nineties. Yeah. So it, it was a much different Washington Heights. Right, and there's and there's lots of pre. Well, there's a couple of preambles of her uh, growing up or. Not, you know, going into school and things in Montreal, and actually a lot of that comes back beautifully paralleled later in her time in New York. Uh, but that's, you know, it's the one cohesive unit. There's a, a couple preambles and then just her uh, life in New York before, um, you know, the time she spends there and how it affects her and how she acclimates, I suppose. Um, so we rarely start a discussion on the on the podcast about art, but um, you know the first thing you think of when you see this book, um, it's the art is sort of um, jarring, if you will, terrifying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess I wanted to ask what your guys' initial thoughts were when you originally picked up the book. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll jump in and start. I guess yeah. um, I would call it if I had to boil it down to a phrase, I would say um, nightmarishly expressive. Which I um, I don't know if exactly how to convey what I mean by that, but it's it's very um, 
it's very in your face and uh it's it's i think meant to be a little it's meant to be messy and, and off-putting and uh and shocking um because you know that's a lot of what new york is and this is a, a, a podcast about memoirs of new york um, for someone living in Montreal or really anywhere, tons of people I've met who have moved here for school or various other things, it's a jarring experience, as I'm sure moving anywhere is. Um, but I know I really like that her art very well accentuates the um, you know the bigness of everything in New York and the strong impact and just in your faceness that kind of pervades the entire city, basically. Can I be the voice of dissent to that? Yeah, I just want to personally say I hated the art. Uh, it, well, I, I, I want to say I hated it, but only because I think it terrified me. Um, one of the reasons, you know, and I, I talked to Justin about this the other day, was that um, there's a, a manga out there called Attack on Titan. <laughs> you know, some of you might know about it. Um, and it, the, the way it's, the, the the relation I make to it is that, it, just to give a brief synopsis of what that, that is, the, the basic story of the, the manga is that the people, you know, humans are trapped in this one city and there's these giant, like, 80-foot, basically monsters called Titans who are very human-like, uh, but very terrifying in the way that they're drawn. And they're all, each Titan, there's like hundreds of them, they're all uniquely drawn so they're all different but in this weird human like style that's creepy and when i saw this book for a while i didn't actually understand like i was like what is this about what is it about this art that's like creeping me out and i realized it the other day like these all the characters in this manga or in, in this car, uh, comic book look exactly like the titan from attack on titan like if you actually look at it it's creepily strange and so i think the whole time i was reading it, it just freaked me out because i mean that manga truly actually terrified me and, and as a result this terrified me too <laughs> so um, freak out by association by association but also yeah. but but i also like with that in mind though when i finished it i kind of came to a realization because she doesn't reveal that she uh, she's an epileptic until nearly like about three quarters of the way into the book um right true yeah yeah, yeah. so like we kind of when it's find, like firmly stated right, yeah. firmly stated right yeah so when i found that out i was like oh i wonder if that's a way of her expressing like her epilepsy like that that was like all her seizures which we'll talk about later but like all the stuff she went through was that how she envisioned her life in new york that's how she saw things right. mm. on, a, on a similar note um there's a lot of discussion about drug use um they don't get to heroin but they do drop acid do lsd yeah. and whippets whippets and whippets and cocaine. cocaine and also cocaine which is um a fun well anyway um and the art style something i've seen before in other in other graphic novels of the books is specifically that deal with drug use is that the art style changes um to sort of represent what's going on in the mind of the person that's under the influence but her art style says the same throughout which a couple times when I, when I first read, I was under the impression that the art style would be, changed, just, would be changing just because that's something I've experienced before and I was a little um, biased, you might be able to say, towards that. But, and it made me confused as to whether she's actually doing these drugs. I think the first instance when she's snorting cocaine and I noticed that nothing changed at all. And I just thought that was an interesting choice on the, on the artist, on Julie's part, to not change anything from the style that she stayed with right, in the very beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's actually funny. I, I like that analogy to Attack on Titan um, just for one sole reason, and that is that um, the artist who draws that book was inspired to draw that book because he, when he was learning to draw, drew a bunch of really terrible human figures, and oh, wow. that's why they're all shaped so terribly. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And I think that actually comes into line really well with what is actually being achieved exceptionally well in this book, which is, um, you know, shockingness in shapes of people and personalities of people and conveying that through their, um, the way they're drawn, mo you know, the way they're all shaped and the way they all move and are in, there's a lot of them being paused in motion and it looks very uncanny because the, the, the sort of structure of the human shape right. is a little like strangely angled and, you know, it's all face and eyes and teeth and it's, uh, it's a lot I think actually that's a, a, a really good analogy and one that I'm sure a lot of listeners might be familiar with in terms of how to picture what's going on right. if they haven't seen the book. Right, yeah. It, it's it was almost like she was on drugs the whole time, like the yeah. way she drew it. Yeah, it was. And, yeah. and the way she portrayed how much drugs they did. Yeah. Right? Like, I was like, wow, this is like not just a recreational thing. This is like a rampant drug problem. Like, these oh, guys yeah. are way addicted, you know? For And I just want to know, what, what are Whippets? 
you don't know what whippets are? No. <laughs> no, we need to ask Demi more. Well, um, oh. Apparently, um, well, she does them. She's into she them. She explains them pretty well, right? Yeah. It's, just, it's the gas. Is it, that, okay, so is it yeah. the like the computer cleaner stuff you can inhale? Like pretty much like um like inhaling. Compressed well, air. Well, I think it's important yeah. to say that we don't condone the use. We of don't whippets. condone the use of illegal drugs but at all. But here's exactly how you do well, I wouldn't say that. We well, that's also <laughs> that's also something I appreciated about the book was it was Spend honest enough that they actually was just like here's how you do whippets. Yeah. And it's like that was very honest. Yeah. I appreciated that actually. I uh, took notes. I think. <laughs> I um I liked uh, Keanu's point earlier that the art didn't change when she was on drugs. Like my my impression when I first opened it was that it's kind of like it is sort of like an assaultive art style. Like it's um she's not trying to ease you into her worldview at all. Um and it seems like her life is kind of like the plot is kind of chaotic and the art sort of affects you that way, but it's also totally consistent. Like all of the proportions are the same all the time. Um, all of the proportions are the same all of the time. And she draws a lot of details in every panel. And so I felt like it was kind of a uh, contrast between like the way she experiences life. And then she exerts all this control to get that chaos down on the page. Um, so like her control comes in from the art even though like the way it affects you is sort of unpleasant no that's a very good point yeah, yeah it makes me wonder like and i kind of want to ask you guys do you think that she wrote or you know she wanted the the panels to be exactly that size you know for the comic because it seems like kind of very compressed if you look at just like the font is everywhere like you know it's all very squeezed together you know, that's interesting because I really want to talk about, we'll get to it, like the, the construction of the actual book. I mean, it makes sense, like the font with the and the lettering with the, the way the panels are displayed and the cover and the size of the book. Um, but I wonder if choices like to say making the book bigger or making the font bigger, like how would that have changed the story? And um, we're going to get into all that art stuff in, in, in the next segment. Uh, it's Yeah, it's really high contrast and it kind of mimics like the look of um, like engravings. And I think mm. we kind of tend to associate those with like the gory engravings, which are spooky. Like I think that's most people's experience with those sort of things, like old childhood books that are black and white, high contrast. So um, yeah, like a, sort of a throwback, but also definitely something sort of like almost scary about it. There's or, a lot of shadow. Yeah. There's a lot of darkness. So that's part of the reason I do. But does she want us to be scared because she was scared? I think, I mean, I think it's just a, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I think, I think it's a method of conveying, um, the attitude and the, the crampedness maybe that she felt not even crampedness of the environment around her, but also crampedness emotionally and physically, um, and in tons of other ways. And that's, that's I think, a, a common thread that's very well explained is everything's cramped, but then the th people are shocking and, like, have big expansive heads and expressions. Yeah. Then we sort of jump to her. Um, well, we don't jump to it, but, you know, we're um, living through her experience of art school with her. And um, she definitely learns a lot in art school. I'm not sure if she learns a lot about art, but she learns a lot. And... Um, you know, she loses her virginity in this really, um, I thought, like, depressing way. Um, you know, and she really wanted to, I, I thought, too. So what do you think her, the, um, her impetus to lose her virginity was all about? And um, I thought it was rather telling about her personality. This goes back to the art style. I thought the guy she uh, had sex with was, like, this old creepy dude. But it turns out that the men in her, like, comics, they, they all kind of just look like that. So, right? So I can assume that maybe he wasn't, like, this old. I mean, he was still kind of creepy, but he wasn't as old as I thought he was. Um, but, like, I, I think it's just, like, you know, kids want to lose their virginities. There was something creepy about it, I thought, regardless of his age. She seemed, to me, like, very much not, not necessarily caught up in the moment, but, like, drawn along. Not, yeah. not a very active participant in it. She's more or less in, in the, she's hanging out with a bunch of guys at the park. And then they're all sort of egging her on about how she's lived a very, lived a very uh, sheltered life. Mm -hmm. And then the, the older-looking guy, I also thought he was very old. Right, I think yeah. mostly just because he was, like, shaded with a bunch of what looked like exactly. lines on his forehead. Yeah. And he looked like Gandalf, but with not as, <laughs> not as majestic. Um, and then he's sort of like... Definitely not as majestic. Yeah, definitely not as majestic. Um, no hat. Uh, and he, he draws her along to his room and shows her some, some paintings, which was a classic line. Um, and then very much seems like she's going along with it rather than an it didn't seem to me like she set out that day 
to lose her virginity. It seemed that it happened and she decided in the moment, all right, fine, like metaphorically, well, fuck it. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, can we not? Is language a problem, by the way? Uh, oh, no, no, no. Okay. No. Oh, you should hear some of the stuff that's okay. on this podcast. All right. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. Just curious. Saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, anyone who can't handle that probably don't read this book. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. I, wouldn't, I, mean, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't go crazy and dropping F-bombs. No. Right. Although Josh did have like a 20-minute monologue about dicks in the military <laughs> once. So That was fun. Yeah. Huh. Like, like literal or metaphorical? Oh, both. Girl. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway. So continue. Anyway, back to yeah. About uh, more sex things. Yeah. Um, Speaking of dicks. Yeah, right. Yeah, I thought that um I thought that she definitely it seemed like it was kind of just not an active participant like she was not an active participant. It was just kind of something that she was going along with cuz it's like, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, I guess I might as well." Um but I feel like there was some sort of there there was there was some like freeingness in that especially after the encounter's over she, even though she clearly didn't seem to enjoy it like at all she gets mm. out and she feels freed and i think that there, there's a, a nice little nugget of positivity in there um that she is enthusiastic about ownership of her own sexuality um but it's kind of tempered by the fact that she's kind of just like yeah, okay, I guess this is happening now. Yeah, I was kind of sad because I was like, wow, it takes you losing your virginity to normalize you in society, you know? And I thought that, you know, I wanted her to have this, you know, great experience that she didn't have, so... I yeah. mean, here's the thing, though. Like, most people's first times are not magical, right? And they just kind of want it, like... A lot of times, people just want it to happen. Like, I... I I worry when we say that she kind of like went along with it because it seems like she didn't want it at all, which gets very rapey. Uh, she did want it, right? Ultimately, yeah. but she she didn't enjoy it, or she didn't, it might not have been ex- what she expected. But I think she ultimately was like, "This is like I want to do this to so just see what it's like." Because when you're young, like that's what you, like everyone's trying to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's also interesting, I think, to note that the art, the um, artist, uh, author, writer um, Julie, just uh, describes in the first on the first opening page that like she. Was, at the time, she's 17, and she's gone to an all-girls, what I have taken to be a... What says covent? Covent? Convent. Convent. There, there we go. go. Not, a, not a covent. Um, <laughs> but an all-girls, so an all-girls high school, and she seems very sheltered. Oh, an all-girls high school, and she seems very sheltered, which probably leads... To, which, in, in my experience, personally, people that have either... Have, have dealt in that situations of... Not issues is not the right word, but are, are different levels that take a little while to acclimate to sort of same-gender... Mm-hmm. conversations and areas and it felt felt like to me that this whole her losing losing her virginity is almost like crossing a threat it is crossing a threshold for her and that's how she chooses to begin the story because she's no longer a child right in both in the sense that she's 17 or 18 in that you know sort of more of a metaphorical leaving behind your childhood and then she goes on to have to the rest of her her life an experience that a person wants to have but like culturally and societally it's like a benchmark and like obviously again there's a nugget of positivity in that she sees mm, it as free yeah. a part of her sees it as free but like in the overall context it's kind of like well you know this should be something that you make as a choice for you know i mean there's tons of reasons you can choose to do it for whatever reason but mm-hmm. um the fact that we sort of pigeonhole losing your virginity into a benchmark of adulthood is kind of archaic I think that's her point too a little bit like this is also an episode that is an initiation for the readers like she's presenting so it seems like and I I just barely like read half a Wikipedia article on uh, Dirty Plot the comic that she's working on throughout my New York diary but it seems like um, what she was doing there was more of the same like presenting violent sexuality like bodily functions in just a matter of fact kind of way which could be like certainly off-putting culturally but in some ways like it's stuff that everyone goes through all the time so like yeah um her losing her virginity was sort of a a difficult section for me too because it does seem like she's being led along by these older guys and it's not clear what she intended to happen and then she says oh well which isn't really affirmative or whatever but she does feel good about it in the end and 
it's an experience that I think we're used to thinking should be vested with all of this like baggage but she just brings it up and then lets it go and it doesn't come back later on and like she never thinks like oh my experience with men has always been like this ever since i lost my virginity yeah like, it didn't it like just, traumatize her or yeah it kind of just moved on from that like yeah. that was just her experience like here's a weird thing and that's what the rest of this book is going to be like here's a weird thing <laughs> right. yeah. i mean it was very strange i will say though that's a strange way to lose your virginity yeah like some guys at the park, but see, I think uh, I don't it's think it's strange. Well, they also yeah. Montreal, so like I don't know the culture. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess maybe. the Canadian culture of yeah. losing virginity, Quebecois. Um, I think that like it's it's probably more normal the way she did it than the way like I'm imagining it to be like in like how it should be like in a waterfall, right. like <laughs> with like two consenting adults who are like, Candles. "Is this okay?" Yeah, exactly. you know, unicorns in the back. No, I, exactly. I agree. You know? I like, agree wholeheartedly. It's it's not. There's no weird or wrong way the weird or wrong way is the glorified version that we decided makes it a benchmark it's just kind of like yeah i mean it's going to be every like everything in life it's going to be a mixed bag there's going to be some positives some negatives and you know it might be like just super creepy like or it you it might be super creepy and then at the end of it you actually feel good about some part of it like there's no clear line and there's a lot of that in, I, in this. i book. will say though i don't want to ignore the fact that i do feel that for the most part in the book, she is a very passive person. Mm. Yeah. And this is part of the, like, issue, right? Because mm. even if she didn't want to, or she did, like, she didn't really have much control over that situation, like, somewhat. It, fun- just, it functions as a good getting to know you right, in that yeah, way. Exactly. I agree. But does that go back to her upbringing? You know, um, like you were saying, you know, she was mm. in a sort of single-sex environment, like, very sheltered and didn't really have a... Um, wasn't really I want to say she wasn't really in the real world you know she was living a sheltered life um so does that factor into that equation it's hard to say though because I mean even for someone who did go to a catholic high school yeah like I will say that sexual oppression there are all boys in your school no it's Uh, it it uh, was at one point in like the 60s but um the 60s but even then like you know in my school like sex was very repressed Mm. um people got expelled for like doing it uh when they got caught so it's like to me, it would seem more like she would go out and do that because to to like you know, hmm. uh, which we like to what do you call it? Rebel. Rebel. Yeah. She does seem to have a well. I think what I noticed over the course of the book is she seems to gain more agency, especially at the very end when it's instead of her going in the beginning, she comes to New York to be with a guy because she met him once, I think, and they immediately fell in love and then she seems to slowly gain more agency more agency until she finally leaves him and is in fact leaving New York um, and what I noticed there's a, maybe like three or four sex sex moments sex moments moments where she's having sex um, in the in the in the graphic novel um, and they're all sort of treated with the same sort of passiveness that the first right. one is she meets a guy in the emergency room and just like the way the way the characters are drawn specifically her her uh, doppelganger, well, her her in the character, um, is very very much passive. It's also I thought interesting because a lot of the book is like not necessarily glorified. Glor- New York City is not glorified. There's dirt and crap all yeah, over the place, yeah. and neither is neither is the the sex that they're having. It's very much. I would I would hesitate to use the term real just based on how the artwork is. But it's very much like there's not the like waterfalls and unicorns of. Um, and it's not. I mean, it's not, it's, it's yeah. not romanticized. It's not also, romanticized. I mean, it's also not like porno sex either. It's not right, hot. Right. Like none of it. It's yeah. just not right. exciting. It's just. It's like there. oh, that's that's people. Right. Yeah. I don't think it. anyone ran, ran to the bathroom after reading my New York Diary. No, you know no, what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but, Starbucks. With, <laughs> but that being said, we should move on to the next. Oh wait, before we move on to the next segment, um, which we should totally be on right now, um, I want to talk about um, Lewis and him almost killing himself. Oh. Um, so what you guys thought about that and how you felt about it and um, her reaction and, you know, if he wanted to die. Those I thought things. her reaction was the weirdest thing about that. Like, she was just like, you, you got to do your work, but, like, call somebody, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, or get him out of there at least. Don't just sit there painting while this guy's, like, slitting his wrist. Yeah. And, and, but, I, I, again, time, right? Because nowadays someone says they're going to kill themselves. You immediately have to, you can call like 10 people. Yeah. Uh, but back then, like, there wasn't really that, people didn't really know about those things. So, I don't know, it's hard. Yeah. So, Lewis is, is this like art student that she has a brief relationship with and is like really overly attached, it seems, and has a couple issues. And then 
decides to kill himself in, or kill himself air quotes uh, in in front of her, which was interesting because you see him later. I think I don't think he intended to kill himself. It seemed like pretty much a cry for attention. Well, yeah. he, he was also he wanted her to do it with him too, right? I, th- she, I thought he wanted her to, to watch him. Yeah, to yeah, watch him and like yeah, record yeah. his like artistic final moments, which... Because he was going to say all this yeah, amazingly enlightened things before, or as he was dying, and, right, and he so, wanted her to hear it, yeah. Right, so that's why I'm saying I actually, I wasn't, like, I saw her reaction, and I thought it, I, I wasn't, like, weirded out by it or yeah. anything. I saw it, and I was just kind of like, well, it seems like the way this is this is portrayed, and that may have been the situation where it might have been portrayed that way, but what I gathered from it was that she kind of knew all along that he was just kind of, that he wasn't really going to do it. And she was obviously nervous, because even if you know someone's, like, even if you don't think someone's going to do it, if they say it, that's going to shake you no matter what and they have a razor blade right right that's gonna shake you but i think that i mean he didn't seem like he was altogether there and i guess the way that he was drawn the way he was portrayed it seemed to me that he was it was conveying to me that he wasn't going to do it and she kind of knew yeah um and that the, the way that i saw that was that it was like okay you're just you know i need to baby you now so you feel better mm. and then dump you but before that like you know, you're not really going to do it. This is a cry for attention and a cry for help. So I need to baby you, get you to feel better, and then cut you out of my life because you're poisonous. She um, also sees him late, like after the incident, after she's yeah. washed her hands of him. And he's more or less, I, I don't know if proudly is the right word, but he's displaying his, his scars. His sleeves are rolled up. They're sideways as opposed to up or down. And I mean, I, I have a limited experience with, with this. But from what I understand, the if you're serious about it, one of the easier it's a lot easier to patch something sideways than, mm-hmm. than right uh, and that's right. that's generally seen as more a typical sign of help sign for help or a cry for help or uh sort of a inflicting pain on yourself in 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 the case of someone who may be a depressive or, right. or someone who's wants to feel something right i i just kind of i kind of saw it as just another sort of example of of her being more passive and um gaining a little bit more and like as you said, trying to work through in a way that gains more agency. Yeah. Um, because really, it was um, it was it was a disturbing incident, but mm. an incident that tells a lot about her and a lot about her experience, and that does actually, in a way, relate and um, really kind of come back around later on in the story. Um, not not you know that particular incident, but like the the role that she played in it, the role he played in it, the way he was acting, the way she responded. It, it comes back around and that's that's great that's what those what I feel those prologues accomplish so well because they set up her character and her personality and then later on you see the same kind of thing happening to her again yeah there's a there's her her boyfriend her New York boyfriend has a not threatens to kill himself but he has an explosive outbreak on the subway which is I feel kind of paralleled to the the this Lewis's character's break breakdown um, and that also that's those are those are both very key moments in the story um there's make for me it does i started i thought back to lewis and the, the stuff that she went through back in art school in montreal yeah definitely it ends up like in retrospect being another incident where someone has like invested their relationship with way more meaning than she is doing so yeah uh we we are kind of divided on that but we think probably lewis didn't really want to die but maybe his emotions were intense at the time and uh, a lot of what we get out of that scene comes from the art so we're going to go back to the art now for a little while um i think we talked a bit about what the art in the comic is like uh how about how it made us feel like after our initial shock did anyone's experience change at all uh, what I kind of liked about it, um, if we're going, you know, past the initial reactions onto the experience of the art through the book in general, um, was that, you know, as you start to read certain books, certain art styles, ones you're not accustomed to, or maybe even ones that are even just slightly different, they begin to sort of, they can be as shocking as possible, but I think they begin to normalize. Um, as you As you continue to read, you start to get used to the way the artist is portraying things. And what I kind of liked about that was that it, I think it, it helped convey the idea of her becoming accustomed to um, her new life in New York and sort of the crowdedness of it all and, and getting more comfortable in the crowdedness. And what I really love about it is that the art also, I think, you know, the, the portrayals and the style didn't really change, but I actually thought that, you know, when things got you know, things kind of settled for a while and then towards the end they shot up back to all these problems to end the book. And I actually really thought that, 
you know, things got more expressive and more intense towards the end, at least the way the characters were speaking and acting and things like that. So the art kind of like, I got acclimated to it actually about around the point that the character began getting comfortable in her new position and being comfortable in the crowdedness. And then um, shortly thereafter, when things started to go crazy again, I started to notice re-notice how shocking and, and jarring the art is. I, I had sort of the same experience. Like, um, once you start getting used to an art style, it's fun how, like, with every comic, it's like learning a new language, kind of. Um, and because uh, she doesn't really do much shading in this comic, I, I liked when um, when she and her New York boyfriend are using cocaine and you can see the like they're like extra lines under their eyes and you can like actually count them so it's like this on off kind of change and I, I just I thought it was cool um my favorite thing in the book was the cat probably in terms <laughs> of just visual stuff <laughs> um I have to say for me when she had the miscarriage that's what that's what took me totally into it um and the art style and you know I had a very antagonistic relationship with the book um because it made me sort of crazy and neurotic but at the same time she's crazy and neurotic and that was her experience in new york and i felt like um you know through her she was triggering these things for me which i you know if that was her intent as an artist i can say she was successful in that um but at the same time i don't know if i would you know like x-men to be drawn by her (laughs) um but you know but um it was interesting to say the least i had a bigger problem with the font because i had a hard time reading and it's like you know um you guys are actors you know how it is like you can have a scene behind like some pillar and no one sees you and you have like do this like amazing monologue or something and you're like shit i just did this amazing monologue but no one saw but on the other hand i did this amazing monologue like i didn't read every single word she wrote because I had a hard time reading it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So if I, if I was able to read every single word, like how did that have changed my experience? And um, that's sort of what the question I'm asking myself. I mean, I'm kind of like to add on to your point, like oh, one of the things I noticed, especially with the font and her writing style, mm. was that, like she lowercase her eyes, um, <clears throat> had like all her eyes are lowercase in a specific way. And what was too. it with Anne? And- right. And she had, terrible grammar which like i'm a huge grammar like nazi if you can if that is one but like like her grammar is, but i wonder if it's intentional because she's a writer right so i can't assume she just does this also english is her second yeah, language that, yeah. maybe that's yeah. the right okay that might be the thing but i think i, mean, do, picture, I do believe the picture, eyes there's a reason they're dotted yeah there. yeah i mean picture a hospital in a french accent right i mean yeah that, that, a- that's excusable yeah. that's excusable yeah. oh right that, that actually makes more sense but the eyes are definitely an intention right? like i do feel like everything else is written in capital letters right yeah. Except for well, in the except for one or two things here and there, but like and, but it goes to show how she feels about it, herself, right? And like on your point that their font was so small, I felt like it was so cramped that it made me feel cramped. Yeah, like I, it's not that I like didn't want to finish reading certain like bubbles. Is that like the way it was like cut between characters or how like I just. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Like, that would just bring me, inflict pain upon me for some reason. Like, I don't know. And there was almost no gutters. Um, Like, they were really, really tiny in this, um, you know, except for the pages that were black in the background. Um, So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, everything's crowded and hectic. I actually, um, you know, they say that one of the most important things to keep in mind in lettering is to not make your reader have to work too hard. Make it so they can see. Don't, you know, put the font in a don't put the letters in a color that contrasts the thought bubble exactly so it's hard exactly to read. like the the point is is ease of reading and i actually loved that there were things in scenes that broke up bubbles like there would be just like somebody's head in the middle of a word bubble and there'd be dashes around to try to connect the things together i loved that it it was it was difficult to see what her boyfriend was saying to her at times you know like i i think that contrary to all the rules which i think this book was very contrary to a lot of rules which is great um i actually liked that it kind of to me there were times where i was like trying to follow what someone was saying and that was like enhanced the book to me because it was like it's, mm-hmm. oh i can't understand why you know maybe from her point of view it's i can't understand why you're saying this or you know trouble following people or trouble following exactly why they are saying what they're saying it's it's it, there are times where it's difficult where her boyfriend's being difficult and not making sense and being emotional and i love that occasionally those were punctuated by thought by, by word bubbles that were actually difficult to read so the fact that it was difficult to read helped the story for you i thought so i thought it conveyed a lot of what i perceived to have been her difficulty in listening to and understanding him um which is big 
Yeah, I thought, and you kind of felt similarly too, right? Yeah, and I think definitely from an artist perspective, like she, we meet her as a, an art school student, so she's an artist first. It as a whole composition, the cramped, sort of chaotic lettering fits with everything else in the panel. I, I think um, I I wonder if she would choose to make it as difficult to read again. I, um, I always wonder how people feel about that. Like even though it fits, you don't want. You don't want to lose the reader. That's right. not yeah. anything you want to do. But I, I do think that as a composition, the style makes sense the way it is. I guess that's part of the fun of the undergroundest of underground yeah. comics. That's is true. You you know you can make your readers work a little bit more <laughs> yeah. since it's not widely digestible. And I love the size of it, but just the size for the font freaks me out because it's just so hard to read. I want the whole book to be bigger so I can read it. You know, um, like I wonder like what if it was just two inches taller or something. My large print diary of um, New York, <laughs> <laughs> or my slightly larger print right. print diary. You know, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think. Um, you know, I, I understand why she made it that size, but at the same time, I was like, you know, a couple inches wouldn't hurt. You know, agreed. Yeah, and did you say that? Which that's what she said? No. Oh, <laughs> I thought someone just said. I was like, oh. I think you're projecting. <laughs> Sorry, I have a friend who says that all the time, and I was just like, I don't literally we heard, all? I literally one heard, guy. <laughs> I can, I can be that person. Yeah, I'll do um, that for you. But see, other people were thinking, right? Okay, anyway. So we've talked a lot generally about her art, but specifically this is a New York Stories Memoir in the City podcast. So it's time that we talk about New York. Um, do you guys think that Julie's life was any different in New York versus Montreal? I and mean, we said that the art is sort of the same, but is her life different? I would say very much so. I mean, all her friends are in Montreal, right? Her her circle, her cat was there for a while. Hmm. Um and I just, I don't think she ever really, like, liked the city that much. I don't think so either. She also, it didn't seem like she spent a lot of time. Apart, towards the end, she keeps trying to move right. down into, like, the East Village. East, East Village. And that was, that was my next yeah. one. I don't think she also made a conscious effort to improve her time. Mm. Because, and partly because of, she was held back by the crazy boyfriend. Yeah. But, like, you know, the whole time she wanted to move to the village. She wanted to, like, and I think she could have, like, probably afforded it, too. But the other guy couldn't. So, like, you know, that kind of maybe ruined her experience. For an unemployed dude, they did a lot of... A lot of drugs. They did a lot of drugs, like, yeah. I mean, drugs were cheap, I guess, in the early 90s. I guess. I mean, they weren't doing, like, just, you know, they, they were like doing some cocaine. hardcore stuff. Yeah. Like, daily? Yeah, it seems. To, um, well, to add on, aside from the drugs, but to add on to what you were saying, um, you know, her epilepsy, she uses as sort of this litmus test to see if she's sort of happy or not, and if she's sort of, and we'll get into this more, and if she's um, thriving in her environment or not. And she obviously, you know, was having all these um, seizures in New York, so, and that was a way for her to see, okay, I'm, obviously things are wrong here. My body is telling me that. Um, did you guys feel the same way? Sort I think that makes sense. I think also that, like, the epilepsy was a bit of, like, it got funny towards the end because she's asking her friends, like, do you think the drugs have anything to do with it? And these idiots are like, no, no way. Yeah. And her, her creepy, well, I don't know, her eventually creepy boyfriend is like, you should stop taking the epilepsy medication. That's yeah. the real yeah. problem. That's here. why you like, don't love me into the medication, think, which is a weird, yeah, weird yeah. thing to read. But that, that, that was what got, like, I think that's the big problem. Like, I don't actually think that it was, like, being in New York City that caused the stress and the, like, the seizures. It, it's definitely the boyfriend and the drugs. Like, the, the stress from the boyfriend yeah. and, and the mm. fact that he's just unemployed. She's paying for everything. Um, and the fact that she's trying to, like, like write and get all these deadlines. Yeah. And at the same time, like, you know, like... She wants to live somewhere else. She's not a good time for her. Far be it for me to judge anyone who's doing drugs, but if you're doing whippets, you're not in a good place. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> an, in, an interesting point of that, um, <laughs> in terms of how her life was different in Montreal to New York, was that in addition to all of these other stress-creating things, you know, uh, uh, an apartment that she's not, and in a part of town that she's not really in love with that has all these problems, a boyfriend who can be causing her problems here and there, um, and I think actually is, is a very sort of underscored point the work she's doing because th think of how new york that is why do you move to new york you you move to new york because it's as the conventional wisdom holds the best place in the world to work and to accomplish and achieve what it is you want to do in the your concrete life work. jungle where dreams are made of steve yeah exactly uh if you can make it there you can make it anywhere. so uh basically the idea i think actually what was also really what was very interesting about her difference between montreal and new york was that I mean, you know, we only see her so young in Montreal, and we don't really see the full picture of that. But it was all very not serious about what mm. she wants to do. And once she gets to New York, as is as has to be the case with work, because it's it's just on when you're working in New York, and you know you hear that from everywhere. 
the work intensifies on such a drastic scale. And even if we don't see the whole picture for Montreal, I love that it's the, you know, simple sort of relaxed school life in regards to her art as opposed to New York where it just ramps up to a million. Mm. Um, I love that. I thought that very well pictured a lot of what it means to be pursuing your craft in New York. Can I also add that, like, I kind of were kind of forgetting that she lived in the hood. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, you know, just a bad area. Like, she lived in the hood back in the late 90s. Like, you know, so that was also kind of something that probably stretched her out and gave her seizures. Yeah, not being able to, like, she not being able to, like, having fear walking to the post office. Yeah, Yeah, like, when she told her best friend, like, someone got murdered on my street this week. Like, that, that's something, if you live with that, that's crazy. You know, that's crazy. I mean, hey, I remember 1991, and the seaport was scary back then, mm. so I can't even imagine Washington <laughs> Heights, you know? Right, yeah. Um, so, you know, I can't, literally cannot even imagine. But, you know, she's also, I wonder, I've never been to Montreal, but, you know, walking up and down the street, I don't know if you're confronted with people in the same way you are in New York. I can't um, imagine I, the same way. It's cold there a lot. Yeah, that's it's like people really, are, really cold. And don't they have um, these really cool underground tunnels, too? They do, I think yeah. they do. I've never been, I've, my... My twin has been, oh, but cool. I've I've never been. Um, so I can only like speak for what she did. That's cool. Um, but I I don't think that. Like well, I, I I'll stop I'll stop uh, talking about things I know about. But it's uh, the architect. Some Canadians would be like, "There's people on the street all the time," you know. Yeah. <laughs> Montreal's a bustling city. No. I think it, no, but I'm sure is. I'm sure it is. But, but but I'm sure it is. But the, I it's Happy's hard. It's like I it's live not, there part time. No, yeah. and that's my point. I don't think you can really compare any city to like New York unless it's like. Hong Kong or something. Yeah. This was just you meant know, to be a segue. Now right. it's like a whole thing. Yeah, especially but, um, New York in the nineties. But, right. but, but, yeah. you know, but my point is that like there's this scene where she's walking up and down the street mm. and she's saying, "Oh, this guy's looking at me like this. This girl's looking at me like this. This child's looking at me like this." And I'm wondering if she had that experience in Montreal, walking up and down the street, if she was confronted with people the same way. And um, you know, I, I thought it was very telling that she thought she was being judged so harshly by these other people um, because. It, I wonder, is that how she, that's really how she judges herself and she's projecting as I was with, um, that's what she said. And, um, you know, I thought that um, it was, uh, it said a lot about her character and I wanted to know if you guys agreed or disagreed and if you picked up on it as well. Yeah, I think um, like the the role of New York is sort of difficult to parse because like as, as Steve said, like it's also just the, a time in her life when she's getting a lot of work and that's because she's in New York but it's not impossible that it could have happened somewhere else and she also has this experience where she's frightened of a lot of things but that could just be her personality and um, also she has this bad relationship with the boyfriend and that's not necessarily exclusive to New York so there are all these things that are layered on top of the New York experience so I think it's, it's sort of hard to tell um, it, it seems as though she would have this sort of paranoia about being judged no matter where she was at that time in her life. Um, but that that's just my reading of it. I don't know. You know what? Was. I actually, I, I could see that in a, in, a, in a very important amount of what it is, 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 is it's her own personal, you know, fear of judgment. But what I also think is that, and what I loved about that scene was that I think, and obviously it's not universal, but I think a lot of people, myself included, have, you know, a, a pervasive fear of judgment. Um, and what I really like about, you know, that in a context of a discussion about New York is that um, I think there's a also not universal but very pervasive idea of being, of feeling alone in a crowd in New York, but then feeling happy when you're alone in New York. Um, and I think that that, made a great contrast to that because we see, you know, when she's walking down the street, everybody she, you know, she only passes those two people, but the thought process is everybody she passes makes her feel more alone and more weird and more judged. Um, but you know, there's a time later in the book where, you know, her boyfriend finally gets a job and she has the apartment to herself for the day and she's so happy. And that is a feeling that I have felt so often. It's ridiculous of, of being, alone when you're with people but happy when you're alone and i think that that might be you know my own well, introversion or my point. own personality that's a very good point right yeah. and i loved that i loved that in the context of new york and that in the context of the way she felt judged on the street that's a very new york thing i was yeah and I don't, I don't i think like i mean i don't know for me at least new york city is the most with the city where I felt like I judge myself more than anywhere. Like, from, I'm from LA, you know, but people here 
I don't know if they actually judge you, but I know for a fact that I judge other people way more than, and and but by relation, I also judge. Like when I look at a baby, sometimes I'm like, that baby judging me, or like that, like because <laughs> I mean, like in generally. New York City, it's crazy because sometimes you'll be walking down the street and you'll people are like millionaires or billionaires, and so like you don't know who you're gonna run into. So there is that feeling of like. Oh, you know, sometimes you, you just get that like alone, alone in the crowd. You think, you think that's so many people? You think that's like because it's a because there's so many people, it's like it's a Def- higher standard. Definitely. I mean, or you it, think it's well, that there's so many more opinions. What do you think is like the root well, of that? I, I think that's interesting. Well, part of it, I won't, I'll, just, I'll get off my soapbox. Part of it is just I think it's the culture, right? Like New York City is like the economic, financial, fashion industry of the world. So like by its nature, and just rich. So by its nature, there are some people out there who just. The, have more money and have, you know, are more likely to judge more things that society counts you as better. Right. More things. I, that- say, though, I disagree. Like my experience of the city is like totally the opposite of that. I feel like if um, you know, I was going to walk down the street singing a really terrible Taylor Swift song, um, I could do that in New York City, and people will be like, "Hmm, this, this guy's singing the song." <laughs> um, but you know, if I was in Des Moines and I was like, "I can't, I can't, I don't know any Taylor Swift songs," but um, who's um, equally as well? She is. Our, she is apparently our, uh, our our diplomat now. Yeah, she's oh yeah. Girl. So you know, if she's like, "Welcome <laughs> to New York," "Welcome to New York," if I was doing that in Des Moines, would I be looked at and judged more? And I kind of think so. Well, I, I agree with you, it, yeah. but my point was that I don't think people actually judge you here. I think it's that you feel more judged. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like, like I, I don't think I, when I, I mean honestly, like, when, I think I don't think realistically when you're walking down the street in New York City, no one gives a crap about yeah. you because yeah. there's so many people. But you definitely feel like they do. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. my point. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I agree entirely. I think New Yorkers are are willing to put up with so much more uniqueness in a wonderful, mm-hmm. beautiful way. But that doesn't immediately translate to how we all feel about ourselves because, you know, we are all still a product of a society. Um, And just because I think New Yorkers are a lot better at transcending that than most other people in the world that I've met. Um, I don't think that that, you know, is going to instantly translate to your own emotions because we're all human beings and we'll feel inadequate sometimes. That's an important distinction to make. I feel like also here, like, people will judge you in the moment. Like, I'll be on the train. Or, you know, on the street and there's someone talking to themselves or, like, playing a guitar. And then the moment's like, oh, like, I'm probably not going to sit next to them. Please don't come here and ask me for something. But after that, like, I don't really think about them for the rest of the day. I'm not like, oh, man, the the guy strumming the guitar really impacted my yeah, yeah. the rest of my day or, you know. So it's judgment, but it's, like, just... It's quick because it's, it's very quick. It's rapid fire because it's like then there's so much people, so many things going on. You're just constantly bombarded by those kind of things. All right, so I, you know, I just want to say the miscarriage. Mm. That's it. That was you guys so think? nonchalant. It seemed to me, which I felt like it was also interesting because at that moment that was like the most white space I had seen in the entire story. That's a really good she's point. She's in the bathroom. The bathtub's white. Uh, and she like thinks she's going to the bathroom and ends up miscarrying, um, or the, and and it was just like such a everything else in this in the in the book up to that point was like there's all the negative space is black. There's like random crap on the floor and there's clutter and and lots of like pressingness. In that moment, she's just it feels very alone, and she seems to treat it it's from what I remember in a very like it's like oh that happened and then I got on with my life yeah well there is also afterwards there's a panel i think i remember of just her by herself being angry like saying i know it happens uh because the new york boyfriend is saying well it must have been something else oh, yeah. he's getting at like you should get a test and i think um it was like another instance of an experience that we think should be really like traumatic that she seems to move on from quickly but it's also a moment where she knows how she thinks the experience should be valued like she knows what happens and she believes it and she doesn't let herself be dissuaded by someone else's opinion in that instance and i think maybe that's a a turning point in the relationship where she has this experience and she knows exactly what it meant for her and she knows exactly the facts of what happened and the outcome and she doesn't just go along with what the easier answer would have been yeah I, and I thought the boyfriend was really insensitive yeah. at that moment because it's like dude first of all that's also your baby that you just lost like you don't even care yeah like 
and the fact that he didn't even care about like she know like how would you not know what she knows like right if a woman says I just had a miscarriage I'm probably gonna believe her like and for you just to be like I'll get a test like come on you know that's not boyfriend of the year material I'll say that much yeah it was more it was more you know another instance of sort of her being oppressed I think where she you know was. Her her experience was devalued by her boyfriend, exactly. and 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 because she, so well said, right? And because she's so passive and has been passive throughout this whole thing, it's another kind of like, okay, well, I guess I'll accept that. And one of the things that you know, this being delivered as a diary, as you know, past events, I think also cleans it up a little because I think that it wouldn't have been shown as like, okay, yeah, this is a thing that happened. Move on. Um, if it wasn't shown as it. If it wasn't shown as if it wasn't framed as a diary of just like this is what happened this day, and that's really all it was. It wasn't, you know, telling the narrative of oh my god this just happened. Let's examine the story as it goes. It was just a slice of life um, diary. So it was here's you know what happened, how it went badly, and it adds to the portrayal of herself as so passive and so domineered. But I do also think there aren't that many moments in the story when she like addresses the reader directly. So mm-hmm. I, I do think like in the sort of low frequency of this book of what gets dramatic, it's sort of dramatic for her to look at us and say, I know what oh, happened. Definitely. So from this point on, she obviously gets more and more um, involved with her New York boyfriend and they have a less and less healthy relationship as the story goes on culminates and should we say what it culminates in or should we leave that up to the people who read us i i mean i don't think like i don't know it seems is it to me that like the, is it a spoiler i don't know how important the plot is i don't know about we can spoil it's that pretty big yeah. to discuss so yellow so she leaves yeah she leaves she leaves um after a huge amount of fighting between them yeah. uh and tension and she eventually moves back to she leaves New York City, uh, not just him. So, it's uh, interesting. You mentioned earlier turning point mm-hmm. um, with the boyfriend, and I flipped through because uh, I thought about it. the artwork. His art definitely shifts. Like around that time, it starts shifting. He's like got a lot like angrier face, specific, almost specific. Like the first couple pages, he looks almost like basically tall, dark, and handsome, and for a bit, and he's more happier. But then it definitely like. He definitely seems. He definitely turns into like an antagonist. It just from the artwork, and their relationship isn't even that bad at that particular point. But it's definitely. I well, at least I thought it was a joke. It's 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 not as bad I as mean, it gets. This is yeah, the thing, though. I I thought yeah. that he was like the. Oh, oh, I was just gonna say that I thought he was like a horrible boyfriend from oh, the yeah. echo. like uh. just like. Uh, throughout, I mean, like, obviously lesser, on a lesser extent from, the, from where they started, but, like, first of all, he never got a job for a long time. Mm. Uh, eventually made her um, pay for everything, right? And would, like, dissuade her from when she got the, the, the job or that offer from the place, he would dissuade her, but then also, like, he was very manipulative playing her the whole time and being her, like, personality. I felt like she just kind of took all that and he was, I don't, know, I don't like the guy. No, I didn't. There's like a moment, like we, when she meet, when we meet him, when she moves to New York, he's like taking her around to all these places, and he, they are never shown going around like just the city. Right. Uh, afterwards, he's also taking all these photos. He goes around taking these photos of her, like in the city, underneath like a store, and then later, like the only time we see him taking photos is when he's snapping pics of her naked, which he goes on to later, right. like hoard. Right, sort of, in, in in a manner of speaking. Yeah. yeah, I think I think in terms of his progression, um, there's really maybe two or three diary entries where things are good, and mm. then after, and like even probably two of three of those, they're doing excessive amounts of drugs despite her having epilepsy, and they're probably maybe there wasn't the science back then of them understanding that that would make it worse, but um, I I mean I mean if nothing else, he's really not. <laughs> helpful to her or or like you know he doesn't seem to have her he he doesn't seem to have caring for her in mind as much as like you know them being happy together sure but there doesn't seem to be much like actual support there which is you know not really shown to be a negative at first or really addressed at first until it all starts to go downhill and that becomes like a forefront issue did anyone kind of pick up on like the subtle alcoholism that he seemed to have 
I like, think it was, I, I don't I think know if it's, it's a lot more than subtle. More, okay, I thought yeah. it was a little subtle. I was like, oh, hey, like, I'm picking up on because like, No, they were drinking anyway. you constantly. I think it was yeah. a lot more than subtle. Yeah, that was like, like the, the fr- main or the only thing on their grocery list. Yeah, they, they live like true. rock stars. I mean, they were just doing coke and drinking every day. Gotta have fiber. Like, and he's unemployed. Like, this to me blows my mind how she could afford this on her, like, I mean, I guess she was a good, she's an indie writer, though. How was she paying for all I think this? it's mentioned well, she had a grant from the Canadian Oh, she did have a grant? She was getting unemployment for a while, they said. I mean, yeah, they could get by on it, but it wasn't. Uh, the drugs must have been cheap in the nineties. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they split rent with the cockroaches. Yeah. Oh, probably. that's that is true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so I don't know, to kind of uh, close up on the boyfriend situation. I think. Um, do you guys think that he changed, or just that Julie came to realize what he was like? I think she came to slowly yeah, realize I think what his true nature was. She's still losing the whole naive Montreal aspect i think over the course of being in new york and that's like when she leaves she's finally lost lost all of it in the in montreal we meet her they even say like one of the guys in the park says that when we meet her in this park and one of the guys says that like oh you're so naive blah 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 <laughs> and then she goes through she keeps on being like dra- like taken places like she meets a guy and well anyway but like I definitely think I definitely think that she comes to realize that whatever her initial impression of him, he is not a very good person. Yeah. I think there's oh sorry I didn't know. No, no, yeah, you go. Yeah, I think there's a few transformations that go on mm-hmm. um, because it, I don't I don't think it's just oh he was like this all along. I think um, I think he starts almost like that all along, but gets worse. And I think that ha- that coincides and you know not just correlates. I think you know cause I think there's causation in that um, she also matures and gets less um, sheltered and, and begins to take gets more agency and begins to take ownership of what she wants to do and I think that's also a function of New York um, in the book is that it shows it's a it's a, a circumstance in which she becomes more powerful and takes more ownership of her life and her career which I think is also a very New York you know maybe stereotype but a New York thing, it is a New York thing and yeah. yeah right so I think that as she continues on that upward trend it even though he started pretty low, it pushes him a little further down, and I think the breaking point really comes when she has gotten sure enough of herself that he can't really control her. Um, and I think that that was, you know, it was there from the start, obviously, that he was controlling her. But I think that you know, he definitely got worse, especially as she got astronomically yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, also, like I want to, I forgot to point out too, like. I think he was also very jealous of her. Yeah. Right? Cause he was yeah. trying to, he was yeah, trying to write her. Yeah. He was trying to write her coattails, get her and put her name on his writing. Like that's terrible. Like, you know, the yeah. house, ski, like that is a scumbag thing. Like he I keeps, can't, he keeps bringing up that. Oh, it's so much easier. Cause you're a woman. So much yeah. Like just, and most, like, like, like both most like illogical arguments accurate. for her to do this. And she's just like, okay, whatever. Like you just gave your name to this guy to use. Like that's you know, your name is your name. So, yeah. So, so Omar, um, <laughs> Marlo. Marlo, there we go, Marlo. Hey, I was fucking. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, yeah, she, even, he even inhibits like her actual career that she's there to do. Like, he, wait, Marlo is the her... New York boyfriend? No, 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 no. no the, it's it's it was a, a wire. it's a Wire reference. Candle is now my favorite fucking person. Oh, he watched the Wire. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. It's it's it's, it's easy to get and on he, Joss, but, Joss. But not only does he list. know the Wire, he knows like important quotes from like characters on the Wire. Anyways, back to the point. So, uh, do you think this was a good choice for the podcast on memoir in the city and stories by? I forget what the title of our podcast is. New York, uh, New York memoir in the city. New York stories by those who live them. Um, is this a good choice for that? Why or why not? And finally, would you recommend this book to others? Why or why not? Would you want to go first? Sure. I I think it is a good a good edition. Um, I haven't read all of the other editions, but it is definitely it, it's got an interesting perspective of someone that's not only not from the city or, or didn't grow up in the city mm-hmm. and you know didn't lived for a, a period of time in the city when it wasn't at its like perhaps wasn't at its greatest uh or at least the area that she was living in but she's also like culturally culturally removed from she's not american mm. so it's 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 different sort of it's a different perspective on on the city especially and you forget about that kind of yeah. it's a good thing to remind us of that yeah it is um personally i mean i'm glad that i read it I would I would rec- recommend reading it. I, d- I don't think I would have just based on my personal preferences on art styles and like if I if I ran at this in the bookstore, looked in the corner, just seeing like all the dark and all the crampness, I really probably would not have. Uh, but I am glad that it. And I think it's t- it's a good read. It's not it's not long. It, no, no, yeah. Um, it's something you can easily get through in one sitting. It's just because the story will take you there. Uh, so yeah, I would I would say it's yeah, it's a good book. Cool. 
I enjoyed the book, right? Like the story. I had problems with it. But you didn't feel like the art served the story. I, no, I felt like the art served the story. Um, but you just didn't like it. I didn't like it. Because it, 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 it reminded but, you of Attack on Titan. Well, not, that, it's not that it reminded me that it, when it, like, as I'm, I just couldn't, like, the art literally instilled fear into me, like, the entire time. And, like, maybe because it was so cramped, maybe, I don't know, the shading. But, but what do you, do, do, but the, that was her. That's what she wanted. She wanted to elicit that. Right. So, so I'm saying, like, uh, so that's why it, it, it did fit with the narrative. So it was successful, but you still didn't like it. Successful. But yeah, because it, it, it made me fucking terrified. So, I mean, that in that, in that sense. But uh, the story itself is good, again. Okay. Uh, and I think it is, it's definitely a valid point in the New York thing, because it's, everyone diff- has a different, you know, experience here. Steve? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I loved the book. I really did. Um, and I thought that it was... A fantastic choice for looking at experiences of New York um, because I think that it's in a lot of ways very typical um, and I think that the character becomes a New Yorker in a way that she might not realize even though she decides that she doesn't like it anymore and wants to leave um, I think some people find that they like what they become in New York and some people find they don't and I think that that's um, fantastic and I think that's, that's well portrayed. Um, I like the idea I like that um, New York as a setting is served by the book's uh, cramped, crampedness and shock, um, and I thought that overall it was um, it was both a very good explanation of a lot of um, sort of tropes about New York, but a lot of personalizing that experience. And um, I think it was a great addition for an ex- for looking at people's memoirs of New York. And I would definitely uh, recommend it to people. Well, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. Um, I think they're probably, you know, obviously Josh's and uh, just generally people who wouldn't really feel connected to it. Um, I personally felt very connected to it. And I I think I would know a good number of people who would and I would recommend it to them. Um, But I think uh, I would definitely recommend it to anyone who thinks that girls is profound Uh, because I think it it takes what that show tries to do and done it, did it way better and long before that show came out. Hmm, okay, interesting. And for the record, I'll let you get to your point, Kathy. Like, I didn't hate it that much. <laughs> and I thought, I, I did think I was going to rip into it a lot more than I did. So, there you go. That's good. There you go, Julie. Keep working at it. Let's, now, Julie, you have some, um, Josh now approves of you, so, yeah, you can keep working. <laughs> Don't stop. Don't stop, Julie. Now that Josh Kiwi likes your work, you created a fan. You did. Okay. Kathy? Um, yeah. Thanks, I, Josh, for taking over. Thanks, Regis. Um, sorry. No, it's fine. Does he get a bump like the comic, comic book? Yeah. <laughs> comics first bump. bump. Well, the comics first bump, yeah. The comics first bump by one person who will go out and buy it now. Yeah. My seal my of approval. Now, Julie Doucette's new text-based collage books are going to fly off the shelves. <laughs> um, I thought that this this book of the three probably is the best fit for memoir in the city stories by those who live them. The others are sort of outliers in, in their own way. And I think um, I definitely agree with Steve that it explores a lot of the tropes that we associate with New York stories, but in personalizing them so that they're not obnoxious. Like whenever people do generic New York tropes, they'd stink and I hate them. Um, and we'll <laughs> talk about that a little bit. With American Widow. American um, Widow. But, uh, but yeah, I think um, there's, I still sort of feel that there's some question about like uh, correlation and causation, like Steve said, like it, it did this time in her life, um, would it have happened the same in any other city? Um, but uh, definitely, yeah. Like you think of New York, you think of the street grid and um, being crushed by people and things and like having unexpected opportunities. And uh, I think we see all of that in this book. I would recommend it probably to artists, like someone who'd been to art school. I think that it would resonate with them definitely. Like even just, even though that's a pretty small part of the story, I, I think like just seeing her at the kitchen table trying to sketch and get things yeah. done in time, I think that probably would uh, seem familiar. And people who work in print too, people who yeah. work in constructing books, I think it's so well constructed. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, you know, it wasn't, I if I saw it in a bookstore, I probably wouldn't have picked it up. But I'm glad I read it, and um, it was 
definitely a roller coaster ride, and I agree with Josh in that it made me feel all these uncomfortable feelings. But you know, she felt uncomfortable, and that was, you know, it's a successful piece of art in that way. So, um, in closing, um, I'd like to thank everyone for being here, and I'm sure Kathy would like to thank everyone for being here too. And I'm speaking for her for some reason. I don't know why. No, do it, <laughs> Justin. Would I like to thank everyone for being here? Absolutely, Kathy. You <laughs> oh, are, I'm yeah. inside your mind. That sounds right. Um, so, but you're going to give us off with a proper send off, right? Uh, sure, I am. <laughs> so, I feel assured. Yeah. Uh, right. th- thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, come back next time for more New York stories by uh, those who live them or by those adjacent to those who live them. And make sure that you stay adjacent to our podcast, like my neighbor downstairs who listens to Polish techno really loud. And that's the sign off for this week. <laughs> Polish techno. Yeah. <laughs> Poles. All right. Thank you guys. Oh wait. I forgot to say that you can find us on the web at comicsverse.com on Facebook at facebook.com slash comicsverse on Twitter at twitter.com slash comicsverse at comicsverse and mm-hmm. youtube.com slash comicsverse TV where you can find our video reviews that everyone is working so hard on and Kanye will be in soon hopefully. Okay. And um, so thank you so much for tuning in and listening and whoever you are, I hope that you're having a good day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bye. Freak out. <laughs>